Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week by Rob Cracker. He's a district manager at the Southeast Nashville office for the Davy Tree Expert Company. Today, we're talking all about how to get those trees ready for the growing season. And Rob, when I do say that, what's the first thing that comes to your mind about getting those trees ready? Basically, we're we're trying to get those buds ready to be popped. So the we are we're wanting the you know the uh, the nutrients from the roots. Uh, that have been stored through the dormancy season, and we and we want that up in the upper canopy, and uh, see how that tree is responding in the spring. In South uh, Nashville, how do magnolias do? Are they a reliable bloomer? Oh yeah, they. Uh, well, depends. There's you have your deciduous magnolias, and then you have your evergreen magnolias. So the deciduous magnolias are a little bit more fragile. But uh, the southern magnolias, you know, Bracken's brown magnolias, they actually tend to be a little bit more resilient. But because one's an evergreen and one's deciduous, they react differently. Well, the reason I say that is because up here in Pittsburgh, deciduous (laughs) magnolias bloom about once every other year because the buds swell and Uh then it gets cold and then they turn to mush. (laughs) Yeah. So a Southern Magnolia or a Little Gem Magnolia, an evergreen one, they bloom throughout the entire summer. So uh, they'll bloom, drop those blooms, and then another bud will come out. And uh, they're they're very they're very good trees here in in the South. So when we're looking at the landscape, what else should we be thinking about when we're coming towards spring, as far as looking at our trees? Basically, like the the when the trees are coming out of their dormancy, they're they're going to be putting on the new shoot growth, the new growth of, of the tree, and then they're also putting on leaves uh, and flowers, um, you know, with all the pollen and and all that excess energy. And so, if the plant doesn't have or the tree doesn't have what it needs, it struggles. So a lot of times, that's why you know. Uh, deep root fertilization is great to do in the spring. Yeah. So like for you guys, when does that start for you? When does the fertilization start for you? That's the hard part is so like here in Tennessee, we're, we're kind of in a bowl. And so we'll go from it's, we had a very hard frost around Christmas, right? That hasn't happened in over 25 years. And, and, and so uh, but then at the same time, in April, we have a lot of hard frost. We normally have one hard frost in April, and normally it's at, at the end. So just today, uh, I saw multiple cherry trees actually in bloom. And so those there is no way that those trees are ready for that. It's just we're in the mid-60s right now. And then Saturday, they're calling for like below freezing. So... Um, it's kind of in that time of year where, you know, the trees really need to be in dormancy still. Um, but then March and April is when we start really fertilizing and things like that. So what do we tell our clients when they're 
tree has started to bloom so early. And then, it, it you know, we know what's going to happen. It's the same thing that's yeah. happening up here with the magnolias. Yeah. Okay. You, you'll get a flower, but, or some flowers, but then, Hey, the cold weather comes. There's nothing an arborist can do about the weather. <laughs> yep. Any new growth that a tree puts on is it's using energy or stored energy in those roots. Right. So anytime that it does that, I'm, I'm always telling people that it it's, it is using energy and it's really not getting a ton from it because while well, there's, there's not, there's no bees out there, there's, there, there's no pollinators out and any, anything like that. So uh, on cherry trees and, and things like that, it will stress it out. Yep. So let's go back to the fertilization. Tell me about that process. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit here on the podcast, but when the weather's right, when things calm down and it's, it's time to start this, depending on where you are in the country, tell me about the process of this deep root fertilization. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, the really the the way I look at fertilization is like uh, a vitamin, and so for us as humans, we don't you don't necessarily have to have vitamins, but because we don't always eat what we need, we have to supplement those with vitamins, vitamins and minerals. It's exactly the same with trees, right? Trees in urban environments are lacking a lot of their natural nutrients that they get from like a forested area. So then we have to incorporate that in, in a, like uh, in, in a fertilization program. And so how is that applied? How, how do you put that fertilizer to the tree? The best way to do it. And, and so you'll get people that do trunk injections, that do uh, the granular, that do sprays, that, that, that do all kinds of kinds of different things. But really the best way that I feel is when you inject it into the root system. And, and so uh, you basically go underneath the drip line of that tree. Um, the reason why you need to get it past that soil surface, past the grass roots, past all those, is because you want the tree to get it. You don't want your grass to get it. And, and so that's why a fertilizer probe is what's needed. And then you need some type of water pressurized system to be able to get it into that soil profile. If you don't do that, some of those nutrients actually don't leach into the soil naturally. So then it just sits on top and runs off with the water. So if you don't mind, and I know for you and I, we know what a drip line is. Yeah. But I, I've had questions in the past where I just, I throw that word out and people say, what do you mean the drip line? So explain what that means, where you're fertilizing that tree. Basically any, anywhere underneath the umbrella of the canopy. You definitely don't want a bunch of fertilizer around the base of the tree because the roots will grow where the fertilizer is. So you don't want a bunch of roots right at the, at the base of the tree, but you want those you want the fertilizer or the good stuff to, to be underneath that umbrella. So like anywhere, you know, the, the, wherever water would drop from the upper canopy. I think that fertilization is one thing, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, that homeowners don't think about. They think about maybe looking up, maybe looking down. Uh, they might see a problem, a branch falling off. But just speak again to the fact that these trees, they need fertilization and it's going to help them stay healthy. It's going to help them bloom all the time. You know, I have a, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I got a, a, a pink dogwood that 
was barely throwing one or two blossoms. But once they put that probe in and started, you know, a yearly fertilization, that thing's blooming like a champ. Yep. It's, it's, it relates exactly to humans. So if, if we as humans, if all we eat is uh, junk food and filled dirt and rock and, you know, bad nutrients, the, we are not going to do well. We're not going to feel good. We're going to get sick. Our immune systems are, are, are going to go, go down. We're not going to be able to fight uh, colds and flus as, as easily. And, and so by incorporating vitamins or nutrients into a tree's soil structure, the, it has what it needs to be able to, you know, uh, grow to the way that it needs to. A human body knows exactly how, what it needs to do to be able to grow. So does a tree. We're, we're not doing anything magical to it. We're just giving it what it needs to be able to feed off of. That's it. Why were you looking at me when you said junk food? <laughs> uh, is there are other things that you're thinking about. We're, we're, we're moving into a, the season up here a little slower than you are. But is there anything else you're thinking about when you're thinking about trees in spring and what we should be doing? Yeah, so you want to look at the certain types of dormant trees. For instance, uh, what comes to mind is ash trees. So you, you got to look at, uh, we have the emerald ash borer going around. And, and, and so when pruning, uh, right now in the dormancy, there, there are no ash. Uh, there's, you know, the emerald ash borer is, is not out right now, right? It's not active. So you want to think about your dormant pruning, pruning your oaks, your elms, um, trees that would be susceptible to insects would be a good time of year to do it so that there's less stress on them. And whenever we talk about pruning, at least I always explain it this way. I say it's a uh, balance between science and art. Uh, but the mm -hmm. science part, you know, we talk a lot about oaks and elms, how they can only be touched when they're in this dormancy. But pruning is so confusing for homeowners. That's why I always tell them, at least have an expert come once or twice and show you, you know, somebody like you, Rob, you, you've worked around trees for a long, long time and you know where to make these cuts. And it's important that the cuts are done right, because if they're not done right, it could have a uh, long-term negatives for the tree. Yep. The biggest way that I like tell people about pruning is you're pruning for the future growth of the tree. You're structure pruning. The way an arborist helps you with the pruning side of things is because we see so many trees on our day to day, I could tell you what that tulip poplar is going to look like in 20 years. So I can tell you what limbs would be really the best and most beneficial to prune off. I'm going to tell you that, that tulip poplar is going to be 150 feet tall. So if you're trying to never let a tree grow over your house, you're never going to stop that from happening. So providing house clearance and, um, you know, pr providing roof clearance instead of actually not letting the tree grow over the house is actually a more, you know, sustainable way of pruning that tree or that Japanese maple that, you know, actually the less is more. I see landscapers all the time. They're like shearing Japanese maples, right? Well, a Japanese maple is never going to get over, you know, 15 feet tall. So why do you, why are you worrying about height? So um, just 
you know, consulting an arborist, you know, to have one of us come out is free of charge. Uh, I actually appreciate to come out there. I'll tell you all about them. And uh, then I can kind of tell you what that tree is going to look like in three to five, five to 10, 10 to 20. So tell me what happens when you drive by that Japanese maple that's been sheared. What am I going to hear in the car when you're looking at it? <laughs> well, the unfortunate thing is, is trees are time, right? And, and, and so everybody, you know, we're all trying to make a living. We're all, you know, living this life. And a lot of times when you prune that, like I have a Japanese maple, I've been married for 14 years and I bought it. Uh, when I first got married and things still only four foot tall. So like if it was improperly pruned, I can't take that 14 years back. And, and so that that Japanese maple driving down down the road, it, it, it's like, man, those people have no idea what they just did to that tree. You can't get those years back. That is, that's a great point. And when you do talk about people doing that to trees, we know that trees are always going to try and reach their genetic width and height. That's just what they do. And in many cases, I don't care what you do, you're never going to stop that, right? And and that's a good lesson to teach people. The best way to, that I describe it is, is a tree is exactly like a human. It's a gear. And that gear is always moving forward. It can never stop. I have a one and a half year old son that every day he grows a little bit more. And there is nothing I can do to stop that, right? Same with a tree. Now I can prune that tree to, you know, live in that environment. I, I can buy my son clothes that he can wear, but he's eventually going to grow out of that. And then I have to buy him some more clothes, right? Same with pruning. The I'm, I'm constantly trying to have that tree grow to where the environment that it's in. Um, but you're never going to stop a tree from growing. If it's not, if it is not growing, it is in decline, and you know uh, that's very difficult to turn around. And then when your son turns fifteen, you can buy lots and lots of clothes. <laughs> exactly, everything it, it keeps stepping up. It, it, it keeps stepping up. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you got into this. How did you find your way to to Davy and to doing this job? The 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 crazy thing is, I I, I went to school for marketing. And uh, I worked in an office for six months as an internship. And there is no way that I could sit in an office every single day for the rest of my life. And I had always worked in an arboretum. It's called Morn Arboretum in Lyle, Illinois. And uh, I learned how to climb. I uh, learned all like, I mean, they, they taught me hands down pretty much the, the basics of arboriculture. And uh, then my my dad actually was like, hey, well, if my son's going to go after this career. I need to figure this out. So West Chicago, Davy Tree, I, I walked in there and uh, started climbing. And um, from from there, I've, I've been with 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 Davy for I've been in the industry for 14 years, 14 years now. And uh, I've done with Davey for over 10. So the uh, Davey got my certified arborist from them. I got most of my my training from them. And tell me a little bit about what you get out of your job. I mean, now you're out there with clients. Also, you're managing people. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me the good parts about the job. Well, 
I started as a climber. I was a climber for eight years. I, I literally went from learning to do limb walks to foreman on a crew to, uh, to a sales rep, then to a manager. And, and, and so uh, trees are my passion. And so this is what I was here for. Uh, this is what I love to do. Um, and so uh, I, I really wouldn't know what else I would do other than, other than tree work. As a manager there, though, as a manager, there's no difference between being a manager and being a foreman, right? It's just the crew is getting larger. And so uh, my biggest thing is, is just trying to get uh, a younger generation and people working around you to kind of instill that same uh, idea of uh, the, the green industry. We are taking care of a tree's life for just a small window. Most trees are living, you know, 100, 200 years. So I'm the arborist that gets to handle it for, for that small, small window. One thing you mentioned, you talked about getting a frost during the holidays, right? Is that when you came? Yep. Well, up here, we went wind chill minus 21. So <laughs> when I am looking at my trees, when they're coming out of dormancy, what should I be looking for? Or what should your clients be looking for as far as the effects of the cold weather or are trees in, in generally, you know, used to this weather and they'll, they'll bounce right back. Most deciduous trees are, are going to bounce back from this perfectly fine. There are some susceptible trees that are going to have an issue. Um, but that's, a, 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 that's natural. Um, there are a lot of shrubs around here that are, are definitely affected by it. A lot of times they're not really meant for our planting zone which that's why they struggle. Um, we have crepe myrtles here that uh, really we are a little too cold for, uh, for them, but they grow very well here. Um, they just don't get as big as they would in like, for instance, Atlanta or something like that. Um, so when we do get the really cold temps, they struggle. Um, so one thing to just watch for is, is, is just making sure that uh, – uh, there was like when the buds are breaking and things like that, if, if they are, if the leaves are smaller, if they're deformed, you know, have us out, have us take a look at it. Well, great advice, Rob. I sure appreciate your time and great information. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I am your host, Doug Oster. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss one of our fun episodes. If you have some ideas for the show or some feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at podcasts, that's plural, at davey.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at D-A-V-E-Y dot com. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.